The Bruises of Life. When I was a little girl, my brother and I were very close, working and playing together as young children do, laughing and chatting of our deepest secrets and greatest fears or dreams. Yet despite our closeness, for some odd reason, he would love to pound my arm every time he passed me. I'm not sure what kind of affectionate brother pat that was meant to be, but it hurt a lot and it would leave bruises. When I told my mom, she of course ordered him to stop, especially after seeing the marks on my arm, but still, when she wasn't watching, he'd do it again, even twice for good measure. Bruises. Life seems full of them, and for someone whose pale skin shows up the marks easily, I get a lot of them. A bruise is actually a common skin injury that results from bumping into something. Often we can't even remember what we did, but the colorful result shows us that our body wasn't happy with the painful contact. Initially, a fresh bruise may be reddish, but it soon turns blue or even dark purple, and then as healing begins, it fades to yellow or green. A bruise is likely to be tender, even painful, depending on its severity, but fortunately, the pain and the color soon fades and eventually disappears altogether until the next bump happens. And if you're clumsy like me, that can happen quite frequently. Doctors have limited treatment to offer as the sign of the injury is generally gone on its own within two weeks. However, physicians do indicate that consistent bruising may be a sign of a blood disorder or, sadly, domestic abuse, both of which require immediate intervention. But not all bruises that we experience are from physical mishaps, and it's these that we're going to talk about today, for it's unlikely that those bruises disappear in 14 days and it's very possible that the pain can linger or be triggered throughout our lives. For instance, whenever I'm scrubbing my kitchen floor, someone's name and the injury they caused always comes to mind. Do you know the kind of bruises I mean? Surprisingly, Scripture has a number of verses relating to bruises. Two refer to self-inflicted injuries, one that comes from rebellion, as seen in Isaiah 1. The rebellious are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises and welts and infected wounds without any soothing ointments or bandages. The other bruise-like injury occurs from drunkenness, as Proverbs 23 reports. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who's always fighting? Who's always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It's the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Tragically, we all know people who make such choices and pay the consequences of their behavior. But what about the bruises that others inflict upon us? Although we may not be completely innocent, we certainly didn't deserve to be bruised by their thoughtless, unkind words, their open rejection, contempt, or dismissal. Being overlooked and undervalued is a painful bruise that all of us have suffered at one time or another. Just like my older brother would walk by and give my arm a pop with his fist, many of us have suffered similar attacks from unexpected sources. 
Like my brother, I've had others over the years that have popped me one. Not physically, thankfully, but emotionally. The friend that wasn't when I needed them to be there for me. The colleague that refused to help when asked or rolled their eyes when I made a comment. The supervisor who demanded I reward a staff member for inadequate service. The sister or brother at church that ignored an overture of friendship. The family member who insisted they be given what they didn't deserve. Do any of these bruises sound familiar? The Apostle Paul certainly experienced them. It seemed to matter where he went. Mobs were ready to attack him. He was imprisoned in Philippi for casting a demon out of a young fortune teller. His preaching incited a bloodthirsty mob in Thessalonica. He found opposition in Corinth and people rioted against him in Ephesus. He describes the physical torment he suffered in 2 Corinthians 11, explaining the lashing and beating and stoning and shipwrecks and dangers from Jews and robbers and Gentiles, all of which he faced. Yet in all of his letters to the churches, his closing remarks are commendations for all those who have helped him. It's only at the end of 2 Timothy that he speaks of the emotional bruising he's experienced. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. He goes on to say, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, warning his readers to be careful of him for he fought against everything we said. You can hear his heartache as he recounts, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me, everyone abandoned me. But he reassures his readers, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news. I want to take my bruises like that, not dwelling on the moaning or complaining over them, rehearsing and reviewing them until I'm caught up in the pain all over again. Jesus knows all about bruises. The first messianic prophecy opens with this statement of his victory. Satan has deceived Eve and Adam and they've eaten the forbidden fruit. And when God deals with their rebellion, it's to the serpent first that he speaks. Because you have done this, you have cursed. You are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring, Satan's spiritual offspring, and her offspring, the descendants of Eve. He will strike or bruise your head, and you will strike or bruise his heel. Bruised heels in scripture are metaphors for any injury inflicted on us by Satan or his spiritual offspring. Harsh words, fear, shame, lies spoken to us, about us, or tumbling in our own minds, situations that cause heartbreak, insecurity, abandonment, all of these bruise our heel, causing us pain and making it difficult to walk straight and tall. Remember Genesis 3 says that the enemy will also bruise the heel of Jesus. And as we read later in scripture, this is about his suffering on the cross. 
Isaiah 53 explains it more clearly. In the New Living Translation, it reads, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was bruised so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. But many of us remember how it's translated in the King James Version. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. And if we read further in the chapter to verse 10, we find that God our Father was involved as well. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush or bruise him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. Satan thought he was the mastermind of the cross, but our heavenly father knew our salvation required the life of his son, the blood of the innocent, the willing sacrifice of a spotless lamb to restore our relationship with the triune God. Yes, Satan definitely bruised our savior, but our savior in turn bruised or crushed his head. As Romans 16 declares, the God of peace will soon crush Satan Satan under your feet. Not only that, Jesus is keenly aware of the bruises that we've suffered and tenderly ministers our healing. We are told of Jesus in Isaiah 42 that a bruised reed he shall not break. Or as it says in New Living Translation, when this verse is quoted in Matthew 12, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not crush or bruise the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who've been wronged and his name will be the hope of all the world. In fact, when Jesus foretells his ministry, he picks up the scroll of Isaiah 61 and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus is our healer of the bruises the enemy has inflicted upon us. Moreover, Paul encourages the Corinthians and us with these words, though our bodies are dying or bruised, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, Satan no longer can steal, destroy, or kill our souls, for Jesus has crushed his head. The enemy may only bruise the soles of our feet, 
troubling our walk, but he can't prevent it or block us from arriving at God's design destination, heaven, eternal life with him. So today, no matter the bruises that you've suffered, those that are seen and those that are unseen, know that Jesus is our healer. Although the enemy may try to crush us, Jesus has crushed his head and the enemy's sting is no longer fatal. We are alive in Christ and we live every day by his grace and in his mercy. Amen and amen.